0: Welcome and thank you for listening to this message from Legacy Church New Braunfels. To connect with us, go to LegacyNB.com. Now enjoy this message from Pastor Jay Miller. One more thing before I preach. Um, I'm going to have my daughter Morgan come up and give a word, but I felt as Cindy was was talking about the prophetic protocols, it's important for you guys to to, to hear this. Uh, Morgan's not going to come give a word because she's my daughter. She's actually come give a word because she's walked through the process. Right, we don't do nepotism for the sake of it. What we do is we raise up sons and daughters so they can become fathers and mothers, but they have to go through a process, right? So she's bringing this word. I went by in the room, going, "Well, of course, the pastor's daughter is going to give a word." No, she submitted herself to a process, which includes submitting the process that Cindy set up. And so, I just want you guys to hear this is this is a good word from the Lord. So, Morgan, do not you go ahead and come up and bring that?
1: Means on our lives because he's faithful. And he took the chains and he let us build helmets for ourselves. And God wants to, us to lift up those chains and build crowns for us. The crowns on our own, it's like, it's not sturdy. The helmets will always fall apart if it's not forged together. But God, um, how do you, do you know that like royalty has its own protection? Royalty has its own salvation, whereas in, when you have a helmet you're guarding yourself, you're defending yourself, but the Lord is your defender. And when you lift up those chains, when you lift up that brokenness that was left in the past, that was like trauma on the ground, when you lift it up to him, he it there for you to step on and not just try to build a helmet for yourself, but to lift it up to God. And he will protect you and he will guard you today. So, so I decree and declare over you that God has made you all royals that he will guard you and he will protect you everywhere you go, that he's already seen steps a thousand times ahead of you. And I decree that you are anointed and that you are blessed and that you are set apart for a reason and that the chains do not define you. But what the enemy meant for evil, he's using for good. He's given you a grace for.
0: Come on, give it praise the Lord. Come on now. Everybody say, yay, God. So if you have your Bibles with you, which I hope you do, go ahead and turn to a couple passages of Scripture. Uh, First one I want you to turn to is going to be Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Put a marker there. Then I want you to turn to Jeremiah 17. So you got Romans 5, chapter 17. This is where you get to use the strings in your Bible. They're kind of helpful. And then uh, open back up to the third one. It's going to be First Peter chapter 1. Keep it open there. So Romans 5, Jeremiah 17, and First Peter chapter 1. Um, as I was praying about what the word was today, the Lord said it, that we needed to bring an infusion of hope um, because hope is one of the things that is lacking in our culture today. Um, hope in circumstances, hope in family, hope in... Uh, finances, hope, hope, and Morgan's talking about these areas where chains need to be broken. And what we have to recognize is this, is that moms, when you gave birth to your child, you actually weren't given birth to a child just for the sake of a child, but you were given birth to hope for the nations. Because when we're born again, we're born again into where we are, the hope of the nations, Christ, the hope of what? Hope of glory within you that actually is a hope for the nations, the nations long. And so one of the things the Lord has chosen is to use generational blessings to actually bring hope and establish the fullness of his kingdom on the earth. And so anywhere that Jesus is not the centrality of your hope, then you actually don't have real hope. Right, Jesus has to be the centrality where there's a little bit about how do we birth hope? How do we go through processes of allowing the Lord to birth hope through us? And in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, it says this, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but that when the desire comes, let me hear you say the desire. See, a lot of times in our culture, we, we always talk about the negative desires. And how about a godly desire? It's okay to have a desire. Let me hear you say desire. It's okay for you to have a godly desire. When the desire comes, it's a tree of life. What's interesting about a tree of life is a tree doesn't just feed you. A tree of life is actually life for all those who actually come into proximity of the limbs and the fruit. Amen? And so we're in this place. We have to understand hope deferred is we have to deal with our disappointment. Where are there areas where I've had a hope for something and it didn't come through and it's actually made my heart sick? It's actually made my mind, my will, and my emotions to demonstrate actual sickness because I'm disappointed. And the reality is, is I'm not disappointed in circumstances. I'm not even disappointed. And when I disappoint God, I actually unappoint him from the throne of my life. And so in this place, you cannot actually have a higher hope than Jesus, And so it's time for us to stop looking at the things that have been deferred and start looking at the one who is fully here and present with you right now. When the desire comes, who's the desire we're really looking for the most? Jesus. His Holy Spirit filled this room this morning. He is the desire of your heart. You may not know that, and the lost world does not know that. But in Ecclesiastes, it says he put eternity in the hearts of people. And that desire inside of them, which was for the eternal one. It's not about a time frame. It's not about a place. It's about a person. His name is Jesus. He placed a desire for Jesus inside the hearts of every single person before they were even born. Why? Because he knew in Jesus the fullness of life could actually be expressed. And there would no longer be a hope deferred, but actually a hope realized, the hope expressed, the hope experienced. And that's what we actually bring. So every one of us needs hope. The definition for hope that we always give is the confident expectation that God is who he says he is, and that he'll do what he says he'll do. Hope, the confident expectation that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he will do. Repeat after me, hope, the confident expectation That my God is who he says he is. And he will do what he says he will do. Do you feel hope begin to arise when you make that statement? Because it's a faith statement. It's saying despite every other circumstance, everything I see in culture and the world around there, that really doesn't matter because that does not determine where my hope is lying in. My hope lies in the eternal one who's alive right now. So everyone needs hope. 1 Corinthians chapter 13.13 says this, Three things will last forever. Listen to this. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Because the spiritual gifts are used here to get to the eternal one. But once we're in eternity, what's going to last forever? It's not speaking in tongues. It's not the gift of prophecy. It's not the gift of healing. We're going to have the realization of that. What is it? It's actually faith. It's hope. And it's love. If faith is the currency of heaven then hope is the bank account from which we draw the currency. If faith is the currency of heaven, and it is, then hope is the bank account from which we draw that currency. And get this, and love secures the currency. What we see happening in our culture right now with some of the banks that are failing is because there's actually a confidence in the dollar that's actually began to shrink. And the FDIC, which would actually guarantee and back up that currency up to a certain amount of money, there's been a shaking that's gone in in the economy. Here's what I want you to know. Love will actually never devalue. Never. Never. It lasts eternal. One. If you're there, say, I am. It says this, verse 3. Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has given us a new birth, and listen to this, into a living hope. Let me hear you say living hope. Living hope. He's given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that is imperishable, it's uncorrupted, it's unfading, and it's kept in heaven for you. You're being protected by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And you rejoice in this, though. For a short period of time, you have to struggle in various trials so that the genuineness of your faith, which is more valuable than gold, which perishes through the refi- uh, though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So again, what's the purpose of faith? It's actually to result in his praise, his glory, and his honor when he's fully revealed. Verse 8: You love him though you've not seen him. And though not seeing him now, you believe in him and rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Look at that verse 3 again. I just want you to pick up on the context of all that. He's given us a new birth into a living hope. There's no separating salvation from living hope. If you don't have hope, you're not living in salvation. Salvation is not good works, it's not how hard you try, it's none of those things. It's actually living in what Jesus made available for you. Look what it says in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. You should have put a marker there, I believe. It says, Therefore, Verse 1, therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God. When is that? It's past tense. It's not you will be declared righteous. You've already been this, through Jesus Christ. Verse 2, we have also obtained. Let me hear you say obtained. So again, what's the, what's the tense on that, on that verb? It's presence. You've already obtained something. Sometimes in Christianity, we, we continue to act like we're having to work for something we already have access to. And then what we do is, why does hope get deferred? Because we think we have to work for something we don't have access to yet. And though, therefore, our hope gets deferred. And when we shift our mindset and say, wait a minute, no, I've already obtained it. So now my hope doesn't have to be deferred. I actually have access to. It. Look what it says. We have obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I just want to say that again. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. What is it? We rejoice in the confident expectation that God is who he says he is and he will do what he says he's going to do, and that's going to lead to glory. His glory in our lives. Do you know you get to show me your glory? Because there is oneness. You're one with God. And there's something about being able to pursue him, the hope of his glory showing up. Verse 3. And not only that, it's almost like an infomercial. And there's more. (laughs) We also rejoice in our afflictions. And the crowd went, boo. (laughs) I like the glory. I like the hope. I like the things I've already obtained. And then Paul continues with it and says, and you get to rejoice in affliction. Well, wait a minute. Doesn't that feel an inconsistent message? But look what it says. We rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. We need to pray, yes, when we go through trials. We need to rally the troops. Hey, I'm going through a trial right now. But we need to stop looking at it as because the devil's assailing me right now. I'm going through this trial and all hell's breaking loose and oh my gosh, ah. What if in a moment I go, ha, I actually get to rejoice the fact that devils attack me right now. You know why? Because it's producing the endurance of my hope. It's producing within me an endurance. If you've ever lifted weights, it's not fun when you go through that initial stage, especially if you haven't lifted a while and you go in the gym and you think you're all great and you're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what happens the next day? You're like, where's my body cast? Especially the older you get, it happens more. And you're like, what did I do yesterday? You lifted weights. What was that? Is producing endurance? You were afflicted with the tearing of your muscles so that you could grow in strength. When's the last time you actually strengthened your hope? So it's because we know that affliction produces endurance. Listen to this. And endurance produces proven character. Huh. What if the very thing that you're afraid of that the enemy's thrown your way is God's plan for you to produce endurance that leads to godly character? The, where the, air, the area that devil's attacking me, that's not what I'm saying. We don't need to be so devil conscious that we forget to be God conscious. What I'm saying is, is when we go through trials and tribulations, let's stop looking at the enemy and start looking at, Father, what are you wanting to produce inside of me? Endurance. And what does this endurance actually bring me to? It's actually proving character. What character? The character of Jesus. How old was Jesus when he went to, started his earthly ministry? 30? How many years did he work through producing endurance? knowing he had a calling, knowing there was going to be a moment, knowing all these things. He's the God of the universe, knowing, and yet he patiently went through endurance. Can you imagine being a perfect holy God and having to endure sinful man around you all the time? Let's just be honest with you. If you're born again, you have a brand new nature, yet we're surrounded by sinfulness in our world, and we have a hard time with it. But there was something about what Jesus was walking through and in produced inside of him the character and the image of his father. He heard the cross. What if that was the character of his father through 30 years of growing up that led to a moment where he had the endurance and the character of his father? He says, for the joy now that my father has for these people, now I now have that joy. I now have that joy. I've been able to have the character of my father. So I'm going to read this again, starting verse 3. Not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance, and endurance pro- produces proven character, and proven character produces what? I didn't hear you. What was that? I, I, heard, I heard over here. What was that? Come on now. And we think hopes is supposed to appear. What if you're giving birth to hope? Ladies, y'all have given birth. Was that all a pleasant experience? <laughs> I know there's some that they say, oh, it was the most beautiful thing in the world. I'm like, yeah. I think, I think you have a fond memory of what you have now. <laughs> the Lord lets you forget, so you'll have more, right? <laughs> but what if God was wanting to give birth in your heart to endurance that reveals his character and now you have a confident expectation that God is good and he will always do what he says he's going to do. And it all started with what? A trial. An affliction. What the enemy meant for evil, the Lord uses for good. That's why we don't have to be devil conscious. We're always God conscious. And look what it says in verse 5. I love this verse. This hope will not disappoint us. Why? Because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. He bookends it with, yeah, you you started with, you've obtained the faith of the Lord. You've obtained these precious promises. And they're actually beginning to produce something inside of you. And on the bookend of it is this. Once you get to this place of proven hope, actually what it means is this, is you've actually stepped into a place where God's love has been poured out in my hearts so that I can give it away. Look what it says. The Holy Spirit who was given to us, I'll remind you of the scripture that says, freely receive you what? The Holy Spirit's not just poured out for your benefit. And I love him. I spend time with him. I, want, I don't want that whole, you won't reel in until what? Until you have all. All of what? All of me. Why? Because he wants all of the world. And he's chosen in his wisdom to use his body to reach all of the world. So there's this cry of his heart is going like, hey, would you guys just receive the fullness of my love that's actually going to show up sometimes in the middle of your trials and your circumstances? Remember 1 Corinthians thirteen thirteen, these three remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Hope is eternal, just as love and faith is, and it resounds through eternity. So anywhere I don't have hope, Jesus is not at the center of it. Repeat after me: anywhere I don't, I don't know where we co-opted that, but we've co-opted that from somebody. This is not at the center of it. I think we need to have a T-shirt. Anywhere you don't have hope, but from my people, if you don't have hope, you don't have Jesus. Um, our friend Elizabeth Darnell, who's, who's a senior leader at Hill Country Church and leads worship, um, there's that, one of the songs who says, uh, if it's not good, then it's not the end. Kind of walking through this whole process. If the God's goodness is not being demonstrated, you're not to the end of it. Anywhere you don't have hope, Jesus is not the center of it. So my question for would be this. Where and who are you placing your hope? Where and who are you placing your hope? And you might actually find out why you experience hope deferred. Because if Jesus is not the ultimate answer in every area of circumstance, you will have a deferred hope and you will actually have a disappointment and then you will make a decision in your affliction to actually unappoint God from the throne of your heart. And you'll go and do this Christian because I know he's good, I know he's holy, and I go back and forth and I struggle, but there's something in- I deal with this disappointment. God first demonstrated his love to you so that together with him, you become a living hope to the nations. God first demonstrated his love to you so that together with him, you might become a living hope to the nations. Colossians 1.27 says this, God wanted to make known among the Gentiles, listen to this, The glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm going to read this again. God wanted to make it known among the Gentiles, all those who don't know God, the glorious wealth of this mystery. What's that mystery? Christ is in you, and he's the hope of glory. So you can't actually reveal what you don't believe in. You're like, well, wait a minute, Pastor. I believe in Jesus. I didn't say you didn't believe in Jesus. But do you believe that there's Christ is in you and he's a hope of glory to be displayed? Where and who is your Put their hope in his name. The nations. Let me hear you say the nations. Will put their hope. We'll say it together. The nations. Will put their hope. In the name of Jesus. There's only one name. Under heaven and earth. Only one name that is hope. And that's the name of Jesus. Look what it says in Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. So in this context right here, you have already been raised to a new life in Christ. It's a past tense, but you get to experience the fullness of the resurrection right now. Look what the next verse says. Think about the things of heaven and not the things of the earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, pair that with the verse we just read, Christ in you, the hope of glory. But the reality is you're actually hidden in Christ. And where's Christ seated? He's he's right hand of the Father. You're seated with him in heavenly places because you're one with him. Is Jesus being fully Jesus right now? Is there anything hindering Jesus being Jesus right now? What's hindering him being through you on this earth? Because you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. And the reality is if you just change your mindset, change your perspective, change the lens by what you see, you're not actually sitting in a seat in planet earth right now. The real you, the resurrected you, the one who's actually been made in his image is actually seated in him, not just with him. Come on. You're not just with him. But you're hidden in Him. What enemy could take something from God? So, wherever Christ is revealed, you find life. Wherever Christ is revealed, you find life. And this is demonstrated through hope. it says in Romans chapter 15, verse 12, and Another place, Isaiah said, the heir to David's throne will come, and he will rule over the Gentiles, and they will place their hope in him. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow. Let me hear you say overflow. The point is always overflow. Not just enough, not barely enough. It's overflow is the point. Then you will overflow with what? Confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm fully convinced, my dear brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness. You know these things so well, you can teach each other about them. But even so, I've been bold enough to write you about some of these points, knowing that you need a reminder, for by God's grace it happens. What am I reminding you of right now? I think you guys know this message. You know intuitively you've been discipled at some level of the hope for this. And the Lord says, you just need a reminder. Just need a reminder of where your hope is placed. You just need a reminder of how do you take every single thought captive. I look where Jesus is at. If Jesus is not in the middle of it, it's actually not supposed to be my thought and it's not supposed to be the thing I place my hope in. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 in the Amplified. Now, faith is the assurance, the confirmation, and the title deed of the things that we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality, which is faith perceiving as real fact, which is not revealed to your senses. I'm going to read that one more time. There's a lot of words in it, but I want you to pick it up. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 in the Amplified. Now faith is the assurance, it's the confirmation and the title deed of the things that we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see in the conviction of the reality, which is your faith perceiving as a real fact which you don't uncertain see by your senses around you. So we often think of the word hope in the terms of uncertain desire. I hope it doesn't rain on Saturday, I hope that thinking. I wish this would happen, but we're not a people of a magic genie, are we? We're people of a confident hope and an expectation. And so even when you don't see Jesus showing up, what did he tell Thomas? When Thomas came and said this, unless I touch his side, unless I put my hands in his, his nail prints, I'm not actually going to believe. And so Jesus didn't put him down for that. But when he appeared to Thomas and he said, hey, Thomas, go ahead. Here's my hands. Here's my side. Go ahead and fill the side. Now you believe. But blessed are those who will not see and yet believe. This is the greater level of faith is when you go, I don't need God to perform for me in order to stand in confident hope. Yeah. Why? Because the definition of hope is not God performs for me when I ask him to. It's the confident expectation that his character is sound. Yeah. His word is sound. He's revealed himself. He's already done everything he ever needs to do. In fact, it says this, all of creation declares his glory. Even if Jesus never showed up to you, and the gospel wasn't preached to you. Now, I believe in the preaching sent, but it also says in Romans chapter one, but they're without excuse because all of creation declares the glory of God. You have enough information to place your hope in him. It's not this level I'm trying to build up to where suddenly, finally, Jesus hits, the, hits my meter. I can, I can trust him now. No, no, no. From the word get-go, his goodness This is why it says the kindness of God in Romans. The goodness of God leads people to repent. What's repentance? Thinking differently. You have an encounter with who he is and you change the way you think. And all I'm saying is this. Stop looking for the manifestation of Jesus in order to give you permission to follow him. I'm talking to a mature crowd right now. You hear what I'm saying? Yes, there's moments when we're growing in faith. There's nothing wrong. Hear me on this. When you need, God, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, you have Gideon putting out the fleece. God never was upset with Gideon for having to put out a fleece. He interacted with him according to his mercy and grace where Gideon was at. All I'm telling you is this. Let's stop putting out fleeces and stop acting on what we already know to be true. Because you have something Gideon does not have. Christ in you. The hope of glory. How do I know that? You have the Holy Spirit. How do I know that? You hidden in Christ in heavenly places. So my hope is built on the evidence of God's character, which never fails. He's consistent. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Real hope is never built on life circumstances or experience, emotions, and thank God not the pinning of others. It's only built on his what? His character. Who is he? Go and open your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 17. I read this last night, and I'll be honest with you, this was a punch in the eyes a little bit. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna, I've, been, I've been walking through some health stuff, and it was just like it was a punch in the eyes a little bit. Where the Lord's like, where's your trust? I'm like, yeah, okay, I got you. So Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. Look at the result of that. They're like stunted shrubs in the desert, with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited, salty land. There's so much prophetic imagery that I'm not going to dive into, but I encourage you to go through that. Look what it says in verse 7. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord. Let me hear you say, blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. I'm going to say this again. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. My question for you is, have you made the Lord your hope and your confidence? When that becomes true, even when you see a contrary sign before you, it looks like the enemy succeeding or it looks like, our culture is going to hell in a handbasket. Oh my gosh, what's happening? No, no, no. I've actually built my hope and my confidence in Jesus, which is never subject to the planet. He's a sovereign God, and the planet's called to be subject to Him. Verse 8: Look at the fruit. When you make the Lord your hope and your confidence, then you become like trees planted along a river bank. With roots that reach deep into the water, and such trees, listen to this, are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green, and they never stop producing fruit. Why? Because their confident expectation that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he's going to do, is in Jesus' That's the confidence. That's why they thrive in the middle of a drought. Anywhere I don't have hope, Jesus is not at the center. Repeat after me. Anywhere I don't have hope, Jesus is not at the center. So what's your solution? Get Jesus to the center of the thing you're hopeless in now. Don't delay. Don't wait. Holy Spirit, come. I recognize that I don't have hope in this area of finances or health or, or my, my kids or this or that. I need Jesus in the middle of it. And what do you do? You set up an altar and you worship him in the place there. Bethel was not a holy place until Jacob had the encounter with God and he turned it into a place where the angels go up and down. It became an open heaven because Jacob got to this place where he recognized, here's where the Lord is at. And he built an altar. What I'm going to tell you is, how do you bike through? Worship him. Soak in his presence. Right? Get into this place where you begin to receive fully who he is. Why do we take 45 minutes to an hour to worship? Because of this. Worship's not the warm-up and the appetizer for the word of God. The whole thing is a glory to Him. You need worship, you need the Word, you need prayer, you need it all in this place. Bill Johnson said this, if I've got 10 minutes to pray, I'm going to spend 9 minutes and 30 seconds worshiping because I can accomplish more in 30 seconds of prayer from the place of His presence than I could have ever done babbling for 10 minutes. Anywhere you don't have Jesus, you don't have hope. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, let us hold on. Let's just say that together. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Now, that was really, really good, but I think we got about 65% of us in the room. Let's everyone in the room say this together. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope. Without wavering. wavering. For Jesus, Jesus. who promised, is faithful. faithful. You want to know how you build hope? That. Declaration of his word. You get into this place and you say, no, I will stand on the word of God. There was a few weeks ago when we had our our, uh, brothers in uh, for the the courts of heaven. I, I can't remember if it was Brian or Charlie said something. But he referenced uh, Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, which is they conquered him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, for they did not love their lives in the face of death. And then I think it was Brian said, this is not your testimony about Jesus that you're standing on. This is his testimony about you and what he's done. Because the testimony of a man is going to fail. But the testimony of the word of God, he was the word became flesh the testimony of Jesus in that place of intimacy. And here's what he's going, Father, I paid for them. Father, they're amazing. Let me testify about them. Hey, this, there's this trial that's going to come up. Let me tell you about them. Let me tell you how they're going to endure. Let me tell you how they're going to embrace our promises. Let me tell you how they're actually allowing hope to give birth inside of them so they can actually have a confident expectation of hope. Let me stand there. My question is, is what do you think the testimony of Jesus is about you? In a religious world, we have this mindset that says, Jesus is going, I'm so disappointed in them. I gave them the opportunity to pray for that person and they didn't do it. Maybe this next time, I don't think I'm going to give them that chance. Does that sound like the testimony of Jesus? But why do we make it that way? See, Paul says this He tells Timothy, War with your prophetic words. That's absolutely true. What are prophetic words about your future? But I would say that's incomplete. Paul's talking about war with your future words, and what I would say is war with this, both my prophetic words, which is the future, but by the blood of the Lamb, which was my past being redeemed, and now the testimony of Jesus, which is my present reality right now. Past, present, and future. Not everybody got in the room. Let me go with it again, okay? What's your past it was redeemed by the blood of the lamb. You conquer. I love this, this translation. I think it's, uh, um, yeah, home and Christian standard. I, I learned it in you overcome him by the blood of the lamb. I like the fact it says, no, they conquered him. They conquer. Conquer is not just barely getting over. That's just not barely overcoming. We have to stop thinking I barely got into the kingdom of God. No, when Jesus conquered death, he actually gave you overwhelming support. Come on, you conquered the enemy completely, fully, without doubt, one bit. And this is the blood of Jesus that conquered sin and conquered death in your life. And that's how you conquer the enemy. I've been bought with the blood of the lamb. And then it goes, and then the word of the testimony. What's the testimony? This is what Jesus did for me. Remember what he told the, the Gauderian man. He's a man that had 1,000-plus demons and, and they didn't know what to do with him. He's tied up in chains. He's doing all kinds of crazy stuff. The people are afraid of him. And the moment Jesus steps onto their shore, this man who's conquered by demons suddenly goes and kneels at Jesus' feet. And then Jesus speaks to the demons and casts them out. Why? It began with the man submitting to the lordship of Jesus. This is the lamb this is the lamb who's going to be slain for me. This is the lamb that, was con- that, was, that actually was slain before the foundation of the earth. There's something about eternity placed in that man's heart, Ecclesiastes, that recognized Jesus, the fulfillment of the word, and suddenly he sees him and he bows down and Jesus sets him free. As they are getting ready to leave, the man starts to get into the boat and what is Jesus' response? No, 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 no. Go tell everyone what, what I've done. The testimony of Jesus. Go tell everyone what I've done for you. The man didn't do anything to save himself. The man didn't do anything to get rid of the demons other than when he saw him, he surrendered. He submitted his will. And the submitted will of a man will actually always overcome a thousand demons any day of the week. That's why it's actually easy for deliverance. One, they have to obey the name of Jesus. But to keep somebody free, the man, the person, has to submit to the Lordship of Jesus. So the blood are past. Let me hear you say the bloods are past. The The word of the testimony of Jesus is my present. Let me hear you say it's my present. And then I war with my prophetic words, that's my future. Let me hear you say my future. Why don't you stand up with me? And I want you to ask this question right now Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me personally today? If you hear a voice of condemnation, that's not the voice of Jesus. There's no hope in condemnation. There's no hope found in shame. There's no hope found in guilt. But there is hope found in conviction, where the Lord convinces you of his goodness, that calls you and causes you to change the way that you think so that you'll change the way that you live, so that you'll actually give him away. So if you're in this room right now or you're watching on the live stream at home and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've not yet been born again, now's the time to do it. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I just implore you today, give your life to the one who is hope. Hope. You will never find hope in your ability to be good, but you will always find hope in his goodness. So if that's you right now to say, I receive you, Jesus. I make you the center of my life, of my hope, of my past, my present, and my future. I just don't look to you as a savior I surrender to you as my God and my Lord. It's the same way you get back into hope. If you found yourself this morning in a place where you've been hope deferred and the Holy Spirit began to tug on your heart say, yeah, that area that you've been struggling with, it's time to get Jesus back in the center of it. The same way you were saved is the same way you get back into hope. Jesus, you are my hope. I don't need to see you move to know you're good, but I ask you to move and manifest your goodness in this area of my heart, the area of my life, the area of my family's life right now. I surrender to you right now. And we trust, Lord God, that as we are going through trials, there's an endurance for the long haul that you're producing within us. And that that endurance, Lord God, is producing your character, Jesus, inside of me so that your proven hope could be expressed through me. And let's say, come and have your way right now. In Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, amen. Somebody give him a shout of praise. Come on. Thank you so much for joining us as we seek first after God's kingdom and release it to transform lives and cities. If you would like more information about how to grow in the kingdom or connect with legacy, go to our website, www.legacynb.com.